This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The Auditor General of Ontario released her annual report less than an hour ago, and it included 18 value-for-money audits. Healthcare was a big focus with reports on acute care, patient safety, addictions, treatment programs, and food and nutrition in long-term care homes. And the report found that long-term care homes do not have sufficient procedures in place to confirm that the residents receive sufficient mealtime assistance and that they receive food and nutrition services in accordance with their individual plan of care. Now, I'd like to hear from you if you have an issue with this regarding loved ones or friends. The number to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Right now, I'd like to go to Lisa Levin, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Advantage Ontario, the organization that represents nonprofit nursing homes in the province. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome, Libby. Were you surprised by this finding? Um, well, I guess I wasn't surprised. Uh, sorry, I'm just doing a sound check. I'm getting an echo. Do you hear one? Nope. You sound fine here. Okay, fine. So we know that there's been an issue with care plans in long-term care homes, and that's because there's not enough staff, and there's a lot of requirements under these care plans. It really needs to indicate all of the different requirements for people such as bathing and dressing and eating. But it's very upsetting and disturbing to see some of the things that are in this report. Uh, what did you find the most upsetting thing in this report? Well, it's not so much what I found, but it's the fact that for 15 years we've been advocating to government for more funding for food and long-term care and for staff and long-term care. And it's because we know that this is such an important thing for people. And so the report sheds light on some of the issues that have arisen because of the lack of funding. Okay, well, the report says that 56 homes failed to follow uh, a resident's plan and that 29% of those had repeated non-compliance in the same area, which means they didn't have somebody to help somebody eat or whatever it was, correct? Not necessarily what a care plan does for for eating is that it talks about what people should be eating. So, for example, some people need fluids, other people need assistance having their meat cut, other people prefer coffee over tea. Those are the kinds of things in care plans for eating. And so what it showed is that they weren't necessarily all being followed. The other thing that I find disturbing here, it says that in three of the five long-term care homes where auditors conducted detailed work, some of the food used was past its best before date. Yeah, I, that was something that surprised me as well. Uh, people do say that best before is not the same as expiry, but of course none of us want to eat something that is not at their best before date. Uh, so. 
This is an issue, once again, of lack of staffing. How is that lack of staffing? Because there's not enough staff at all in the long-term care homes. So I guess this seems like an issue of inventory management and people aren't paying close enough attention. Um, have you suggested any remedies for these things? Well, we just saw the whole full detailed report right now. So we are going to be working with our members and the sector to provide education, training, and best practices to best practices to help with things like inventory management, uh, making sure that care plan information gets delivered to people in the dining room on time. So there's some things we can definitely do coming out of the report. But the real root of this is that there's $9.54 per person per day in funding for long-term care residents. And there's not enough staff to feed them, to prepare the food, and to assist with all the other activities in homes. And how much more money do you figure you need? That's something that we'd have to look at because we didn't even think we would get that far. We keep asking. Uh, so in terms of staffing, we want to have at least four hours of care per resident per day. And right now it's around 3.5 hours. But it's actually less than that because a lot of homes are working short-staffed because of the health human resources crisis that we're having. We've covered that a lot, and it's it's partly uh, because it's very hard to recruit personal service workers, it's a very difficult job, and the pay is lousy. There's all kinds of factors. Those are some. We have to look at education, training, recruitment and retention. But I think the biggest barrier to people working in long-term care is they hear how burnt out people can be. They, the people living in long-term, sorry, long-term care, I'm getting messed up because it's echo. Sorry. Um, the people in long-term care uh, have only like five or 10 minutes to get someone with dementia up and ready in the morning. And it's very difficult. There's not enough people to feed and to feed them and they just get very burnt out. So I think those are one of the, that's one of the biggest barriers. Uh-huh. And what can you say to loved ones? How, what can they do to make sure that their loved one is actually receiving what they're supposed to receive? They can talk to the nurse or the personal support worker. We always encourage family members to visit regularly and keep eyes on their loved one. So they can go to the dining room. They can make sure that the menu planning is done properly. And just being around and paying attention really helps. The other thing about the menus, uh, this report says that, that some of the menus offered at homes contained as much as 93% more sugar than recommended and 59% more sodium and 34% less fiber. That sounds like a, not a very good diet. It sounds lousy. It doesn't sound good, and so that's something we need to do a deep dive in to see what those recommendations, like where they came from exactly. But something that I haven't talked about is resident choice. So when someone is living in long-term care, that doesn't mean they suddenly become someone who abides by Ontario's food guidelines. If you look at the average Ontarian, people like french fries, people like cookies, they eat cake, they prefer to have juice. 
And when you're near end of life or you're getting older and you have dementia, you want to have comfort foods. So that could be part of it, but the sodium, you know, I think that could be definitely reduced and the sugar is way too high. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I remember my mother-in-law who uh, for most of her life was very careful about what she ate. I mean, towards the end, she subsisted on, you know, junky pastry. (laughs) And that's because she wanted to or that's all she had? Well, no, it's because I think it's because she wanted to. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We're dealing with choice. This is people's home. So we try and offer them the best food that we can. But in the end, it's their choice. Okay. Uh, and uh, again, so you think that the issue with the the food that is past its best before is inventory management and not uh, some nefarious way of trying to save some money? I suppose it's possible. I can't talk for every long-term care home in the province. But... I would say that most of our members, they're all nonprofit, and they have boards of directors or councils that look over the work they do. And I just can't imagine that they would say, we're going to save money by having old food mm-hmm. intentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is from a sample of long-term care homes, but I think, it is, would you say it's fair to assume that the, these problems are everywhere throughout the system? I think that some of the things in this report seem to be extreme examples, and it is just a sample. I haven't gone through the sample in detail to see if the homes that were picked were the better homes in the province or some of the lower-performing homes, Uh, but certainly there are issues. There's no doubt. When you have $9.54 to feed a person every day and you don't have enough staff and people have a much higher acuity and complexity and dementia, there's going to be problems. And so this is something we really need to improve upon. And we are talking to government, and they are listening to us, and we want to try and get more money into this into the sector. The one thing that surprised me, I would have expected that the average age of a resident of a nursing home is up. But according to this, it's the same as it was a decade ago, 83 years, but more have a form of dementia. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't see that. Um, I mean, I'm wondering if that's just in these homes. I, I, I think I've seen other numbers that said actually the average age is up. I thought it was up. So I don't know. I'd have to go back and check that. Okay, and it says that now 64% and I get of residents have some form of dementia. I thought it was actually higher than that. Some reports say that 70% have cognitive issues and some say even higher. And 45% of residents have aggressive behavior. So it's really hard to handle people in long-term care. And that's why we need the, the proper amount of staffing so that we can treat people with the dignity they deserve. Is there progress on that? I mean, we keep hearing about new programs, specialized training for people to deal with residents with aggressive behavior. Uh, How would you rate any progress on that? There's specialized staff that have been put in place in some homes. Other homes only have access to teams, so they may have someone coming to their home like once a month. So there has been some progress, but we need to do more. And then there's other great examples that different homes have been doing for emotional-based care, like the Butterfly Home in Malton, 
or City of Toronto is going to be doing some new models of care, and those all help as well. Yeah, I was just about to ask about those. We uh, they're in the process of getting approval for a pilot project, but it's only going to start in one home in Etobicoke. Well, they have to start, you know, with with the money they have and try it out and see what works and then adjust it accordingly. Now, you know, the the province has committed to uh, uh, thousands more long-term care beds. It's going to take a while for them to come on stream. What can happen in the meantime, you know, if there's uh, not as much money as you need to give everybody four hours of care? What are the ways that you can deal with this? We encourage our members to use volunteers, and a lot of them do that. Although the Long-Term Care Homes Act is a little bit gray in that area in terms of if people other than personal support workers can help with feeding. But that's an area that the province can look at clarifying. And we feel that as long as volunteers and others are properly trained, that there's no reason why they can't help with food nutrition and and feeding in particular. And also we're going to be continuing our education of our members and others in the sector and provide more information on food and nutrition and long-term care. Are you basically saying that family members, friends, uh, really, if they want to make sure that somebody is, is being properly fed, that they better come in and do it themselves? I'm not saying that. I think every home is individual and every person is individual. But I would say that if it were me and I had a family member in long-term care, no matter how good the home is, there is not enough staff, and I would definitely try and get there regularly just to watch over things. Okay, that's always good advice. Anything else you'd like to leave us with quickly, Lisa? No, I'm going to go back and read the report and see what else can be done, and we're going to work with government and our members to do the best we can to improve the situation. Okay, Lisa Levin, CEO of Advantage Ontario, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. And that's all the time we have for today. Fight Back with Libby Snymer is produced by Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Jeremy Logan and Justin Eacock. Check out the Fight Back podcast anytime at zoomerradio.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.